You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Thank you again, Brother Jesse, for the invitation to come and to preach at uh, Elk Point Baptist Church. We're excited about what God's doing up here in your church. And this, this is a wonderful building. Praise the Lord. It's beautiful. And, and I do like your... Um, uh, stained glass windows, uh, at least yours, they, they look real. We, we had fake stained glass windows on our, on our building, so that's awesome. But this, this is wonderful, and, and the outside of your building, it looks wonderful. It looks great. And uh, you can tell when you drive up here that something very important is going on here. And so praise the Lord. Uh, you're to be commended on the great job that you did uh, on this building so far. And Looking forward to, I guess, Brother Jesse, you're still going to be doing things inside. And so we're looking forward to see what uh, God does through you that way. And, uh, of course, thank you for uh, uh, church for being here tonight. And uh, if you want to uh, open your Bibles to the book of Mark, the book of Mark tonight, chapter 4, Mark chapter 4. And I think I got this thing on properly. I can't tell. Okay. All right. Great. Mark chapter 4, and we're going to uh, begin reading in verse 35. And I'm thankful for the folks uh, that came up from Sioux City Baptist Church. It's good to have all of them and, and uh, get another chance at them. Amen? <laughs> so, but Mark chapter 4 and verse number 35. We'll begin reading, and uh, I don't know if you stand or anything like that. You do? Uh, we usually stand in honor of the reading of God's Word, if, you, if you're able to. If you can't, we certainly understand that. We don't want you if you have a hard time doing that. But Mark chapter 4 and verse number 35, the Bible says, And the same day when the evening uh, even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him, and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Let's take just a moment and ask God to meet with us tonight. Father, we are so very grateful for this opportunity to be here and for this gathering of folk who would rather be here than be anywhere else. So very thankful for that testimony and their love for you and their love for your word. We're thankful to hear about this one that got saved and, and uh, Lord, our hearts are thrilled every time we hear about somebody accepting you as their savior. And, and uh, Lord, we're, we're, we're grateful and we consider that a great victory. And Lord, we, right now, we need to hear from you. We pray that you would just be the one who does the preaching tonight. We pray, dear God, that we would listen, that we would yield ourselves to you. And I pray, dear God, for the enabling to say what you once said in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, <clears throat> what a day it had been. Jesus, he had faced and healed a fierce demoniac. And if you go back in the chapters before this, he had dealt with the opposition of both his friends. There in chapter 3 and verse 21, they, they thought that he was beside himself, some of his friends, and they were <laughs> going to save him from himself. They attempted to anyway. And then he was also uh, faced with the opposition of his foes, who felt like and said that, uh, he was uh, full of the devil. And, and then he had, of course, preached and taught and so forth. And Jesus, he was tired from teaching and from testings. Yeah. 
And so here in this passage, that phrase, the other side, it lay across about six miles of water on the Sea of Galilee. And several of the disciples were veteran boatsmen who, who um, had fished this lake for many, many years. In fact, they had grown up on its shores. They, uh, its banks had been their boyhood playground. They knew a lot about this lake. They, they knew its every curve. They knew its every current. They knew its every mood. And the, and the, and the Sea of Galilee could be very moody. And uh, the way the landscape was, uh, the, uh, in just a split moment, the, the winds could be just right, and, and, it, and there would be a big storm that would happen on the, on the Sea of Galilee at any moment. And these men were, they were handy with oars, they were handy with sails, they were handy with boats, and the Lord was in safe hands when he boarded that boat. Or rather, they were in safe hands when he boarded that boat. But still, they thought that this was their realm, and he could leave the sailing to them, and that's exactly what Jesus did. He left the sailing to them, and he went back to the back of the boat, and the Bible says that he was soon sound asleep. Now, I want us to notice a few lessons in this passage that um, as uh, we uh, go through this that I think are very important for us. And the first lesson that I think we need to see is in verse number 35, and it's simply a command. So look there in verse 35 again. It says, In the same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over onto the other side. Now this is not the language of a stern and strong command. In fact, uh, it actually sounds more like a suggestion or a wish. And however, the disciples, they treated this statement as if it were a command. They were, there was no delay. They immediately began to prepare to depart, to go to the other side of the sea, just like Jesus wished. And uh, if I can just for a moment mention something here, the undevoted heart could have taken Jesus' words very lightly. It really could have. However, for the devoted heart, Christ's wish is his command. Amen? Amen? And I think that's something good for all of us as God's people to learn, that, uh, that, uh, that we need to be very sensitive to what God wants. And, and there was no sternness in this uh, suggestion that Jesus had made. There was no sternness that was required. Repeating was not necessary. However, the Bible is never plain enough for the carnal mind, is it? It just seems like no matter how often the preacher has to preach the same thing, it never seems to get across. Isn't that right, brother? It's, uh, and, 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 but for the carnal mind, it just is very difficult. Thou shalt and thou shalt not seem to pose a great intellectual difficulty for some. But the devoted... The devoted soul knows, as here, what Christ wants. They're in tune with Christ. And uh, just a glance of Christ commands the soul who lives for Christ. Amen? And uh, there is no need for surrender of heart, because the heart's already surrendered. Amen? And uh, no splitting of hairs is needed, no argument necessary, no excuses offered. They just get with it. And I think of a story in the Old Testament about David. One, uh, David and his men had been fighting the Philistines, and, and uh, no doubt they were hungry. Uh, obviously, they were thirsty, and they were held up in the cave of Adullam. And, uh, and David was just thinking, and he, and he said out loud, thinking out loud, boy, I wish that I could just have a drink from, from the well of Bethlehem out beside the gate. And three of his great men heard that. They heard his wish. And the Bible tells us that they, that they left that place and they broke through the garrison of the Philistines. They got him some water out of that well. Then they broke through the garrison of the Philistines again and they brought it back to the cave for David. Now David, he, he looks at this water and he cannot believe that they were willing to do that for him. 
And so the Bible says that David said, there's no way. And so he poured it out on the ground before the Lord because there was no way he was going to drink that water uh, with those guys who risked their lives in order to go get that. But for them, whatever David's wish was, it was going to happen. And you know what? That's the kind of Christians that every church needs. Uh, they're just in tune with the Lord. And whatever the Lord wants, man, they're ready to do it. No arguments, no discussion, uh, doesn't need to be repeated. Amen? Uh, whatever the preacher, as God is leading your preacher, uh, however he is leading, the folks get behind him, and, and they want to uh, uh, help him in the ministry. That's so important. But, but Matthew tells us that when Jesus entered the ship, his disciples followed him. They followed him. How important that is. If you have a devotion for him, you will follow him. Amen? As your preacher gets up and preaches his book, you'll follow him. Amen? Uh, you won't have to argue about it. You'll just be surrendered to it. And uh, this uh, uh, will be, we'll be surrendered to his principles. We'll be surrendered to his precepts. And we'll be surrendered to his wishes. And uh, this would involve the disciples providing the boat as well. Think about it now. I mean, uh, to follow Jesus, this meant that they were going to provide the boat. And not only were they going to provide the boat, but they were going to row the boat. Amen? Uh, they were going to make the boat go. Uh, and, you know, if you're going to serve God and be surrendered to God, it's, you know, you can know that it's going to cost some effort. It's going to cost some labor. It's going to cost some time. It's going to cost some sacrifice. It's going to cost some talent. You're going to have to roll up your sleeves. Amen? And that's so important. But uh, their obedience, and, and this is so important, their obedience would soon take them on a journey. Because they were obedient, it would soon take them on a journey that they would never forget, nor would they ever want to forget. And so we see that, that word command there's another one in verse number 36 that I want us to look at, and that's the word change. The word change. It says in, in, uh, in our passage, And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship, and there were also with him other little ships. Now I want you to notice those words, as he was. As he was. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. You know, this uh, same, this very same Jesus is willing to come on board your ship. He's willing to come on board your ship. He wants to walk with you. He, he wants to empower you. He wants to help you. He wants to make his presence known in your life. He will come on board your little vessel as well. But here's the key. We must receive him as he is. And that's what they did. They received him as he was. And we have to receive him as he is. Listen, folks, if you want him in your life, if you want his power on your life, if you want his blessings upon your life, if you want his presence in your life, you have to receive him as he is. Not as you want him. Not, not, the, not the God that you wish for, but as he is, as he is, he is not going to change. Amen? He doesn't have to change. He's perfect. He's holy in every way. He never has to change. And, and so that's the, that's the way he is. He is loving. He is wise. He is strong. He is holy. But listen, we, we are mean. We are foolish. We are weak. We are sinful. And you know what? What he is and what we are it cannot coexist. Amen. Something's got to change. And I can tell you right now, it's not going to be him. Amen. He's not going to change. But he changes us. He changes us. And, and, and so uh, he is the same yesterday. The Bible tells us he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not going to change one iota for you and what you want, and how you see it, and your opinions, and our philosophies. He's not changing. It's already stated right here. Amen? And, and so we have to receive him. If we want him in our lives, we have to receive him as he is. Zacchaeus received him as he was. And when he did that, 
Zacchaeus was changed. Amen? The, uh, Peter received him as he was. And when he did, Peter was changed. Paul received Jesus as he was, and Paul was changed. And thank God I received Jesus as he was, and he worked in my life, and he changed my life. And he'll change yours if you will receive him as he is, not the way you want him. Amen? And so he takes, uh, it, we must realize that we take him aboard our lives. We must take him aboard our lives as he is because he wants to make you as he is. Amen? That's the goal, to be conformed to the image of his dear son. And so we have to take him as he is because he wants to make us as he is. You know, the Bible says in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, uh, the Bible tells us, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are, becomes, are become new. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for that. Because I remember what I was when I got saved, amen? I remember the direction I was going when I got saved. I, I, I've told our church this story many times, but I, I, I remember when I got saved, uh, the fad was that, that you, you had your hair parted down the middle, right? And it was down to about the shoulders. That's how most of them were wearing their hair. Uh, wearing bell bottoms, you know. And I even had a shirt. I'm from Indiana, and I had a shirt that said, Indiana's for lovers. You know, I was so cool. <laughs> I was so cool. And, uh, but, but I remember I got saved, and uh, man, I don't know. It, it, God did it. it. It was totally unexplainable to me, brother, but God began to work in my life. And the next thing I know, I'm going to church faithfully. I'm not just going to church, but I'm sitting up on the front row. I couldn't get enough of it. I, I started reading my Bible. And, and I remember one time my youth pastor, he came to me and he said, Brother Vaughn, he said, you need to get a haircut. <laughs> so, so I said, okay. So, so he took me down to... Um, the barber and the town where I was at, it was just there was just a four-way stop sign. That's that's that was the closest intersection. I mean, for miles and 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 so it, there was a little barber shop right there on the corner. He takes me in there, and it was a woman barber actually, and and uh, I didn't know it, but he knew her and and she knew him, and and uh, so I sit down in the chair, uh, and she begins to to give me a hair. Doesn't even ask me, you know, you know. <laughs> How would you like your hair cut? You know, I mean, there wasn't any of that stuff going on. She just starts cutting my hair. And then she's cutting a while. Then she looks over at him. She doesn't look at me. She doesn't ask me a thing. She looks over there at him, and, and he goes. So she goes back to cutting, you know. I mean, she's just cutting away. And finally, you know, it finally came. She looks up. He's like, okay. And so they were done. But you know what? I allowed that to happen because God had worked in my life. Amen? I remember what I was and what God was doing in my life. And, and uh, you know what? I was willing to just be whatever God wanted me to be. I wanted to be as he is. Amen? And, and, and that's exactly what God will do in your life. If you've been born into the family of God, you, his goal, his desire for you is to become more like him. Not him become like you want, but you to become like him. Amen? So important. There's another word that we need to see in verse 37. It says, uh, well, I want to use the word change, all right? Or, no, no, not change, chance, chance. Look in verse 37. The Bible says, And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. Now, anytime we launch out into the deep, we take a chance, don't we? We take a chance. And, uh, you know, there, there often comes storms very unexpectedly in our lives, don't they? I mean, just, you know, uh, things can be going great, and then all of a sudden, wham, right? Have you ever been there before? Anybody identify with that? And uh, the waves here in this passage, no doubt, the, for a while the waves lapped gently against the boat, the air was calm and cool. The, the men were pulling at the oars in skillful unison. 
and uh, the motion of the waves and the lullaby of the breeze uh, just gently rocked Jesus as he was in that boat. All was well. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? But then suddenly, the storm was upon them because Satan had seen his opportunity and the Lord was, uh, was asleep and he was vulnerable and all he had to do is sink that ship. And one, one starts out his day, and how often we do, on a smooth sea, but before long it can often become a huge tempest, can it? A lot of problems. One generally thinks that when Christ is on board, we should have a calm passage across the sea. But it doesn't always work that way, does it? However, the, the presence of Christ on board does not guarantee a smooth passage. And you know, there are some preachers out there that they proclaim what we call a prosperity gospel. And it's a false gospel. They accept If you accept Christ... And uh, you'll be rewarded with wealth. You'll be rewarded with health. You'll be rewarded with happiness. Everything will be smooth. And if it's not, it's because you will have a lack of faith. But it's a false gospel, folks. And they do show their ignorance even of Jesus' own Sermon on the Mount, don't they? Jesus said we're going to have persecution. It's not always going to go smooth. Even Jesus said that. I guess they know more than Jesus, but I don't think so. But believers are not, even Jesus himself was in the midst of the storm, brother. Yes, sir. But believers are not exempt from sickness. Believers are not exempt from poverty. They're not exempt from natural disasters. They're not exempt from bereavements and death and various other ills of life. And, but what he promises is not his protection from the storm. What he promises is his presence in the storm. Amen? And, 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 and so we just never know when those times are going to happen. But knowing the Lord does not guarantee that we will only have smooth sailing is very important. I think of Joseph. Joseph, he had some pretty rough waters to go through, didn't he? I mean, I mean think about his, his, uh, uh, his brothers hated him. And uh, they, they took him and they threw him down in a pit to just let him die. And then they saw this caravan coming through and they thought, hey, we can make some money. You know? So they took little brother back out of the pit and they sold him into slavery. And uh, then he goes down to, Pot or to Potiphar's house. Potiphar's wife lies about him. He ends up in jail. And, and, then, and then he ends up in, uh, uh, again, and he ends up in prison and he's forgotten in prison. I mean, Joseph had a lot that he could have gotten bitter about. He, it wasn't smooth sailing for Joseph, was it? And I think also of Job, who, uh, of course, uh, Job went through so much. And, and if I can say this, I believe that Job went through more than all of us put together in a very short amount of time. Job went through some very difficult things, and yet the Bible says that Job was a righteous man. He was a man that eschewed evil. He loved God. He was a good man, prayed for his children, and seemed to do everything right, and yet God allowed him to go through some very severe trials in his life. But God never forsook him, amen? But it, he uh, was allowed to go through some difficult times in his life. And Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet and, and spent time in, in a dungeon and, and forsaken by his people and rejected by his people and Paul, we know that Paul went through many difficult situations, didn't he? And uh, many dangers and, and nakedness and cold and hunger and beatings and, and uh, all of the things that uh, the Apostle Paul went through. And we think of all of the disciples. The disciples were all martyrs for the most part and suffered much persecution. You know, some storms come to help us. Some storms come to help us. And uh, we need to be careful about resisting the hand of the Lord in our lives because some storms come to help. And this storm did not come because of their disobedience. It's important to realize that this storm came because of their obedience. 
because they were doing what Jesus wanted them to do. The path of obedience is not exempt from trials. It's not exempt from problems. It's not exempt from struggles. It's not exempt from adversity, is it? And it certainly was not for them. And sometimes God even orders trials for our lives. Special ordered. Amen. Custom fit. Just for you. Remember what, uh, look in uh, uh, Peter, uh, the, the book of First Peter. Let me read you a couple of verses. Chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. You know them. It says, Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be. Did you hear that? For a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. And so God tells us that there are just some trials, there is some suffering that will be in your life because God designed it that way. It was just for you, built just for you. And, and, and it's important for us to not lose sight of that. And, and I, I know that Paul said that he had a thorn in the flesh. And he prayed and asked God if God would remove that thing three different times. And God said, my grace is sufficient. And it wasn't long that Paul figured out why he had a thorn in the flesh. I mean, I mean, think about Paul. He was... Uh, this is, he was a smart guy, well-educated, and he was really a powerful presence when he walked in a room. Paul was, he was very gifted by God and, and very influential. And, and, you know, you think about it, God gave him a thorn in the flesh to keep him humble, to keep him in line, to keep him from going overboard. Amen. And sometimes God sends storms and problems and struggles in our lives to try to get our attention and to help us out. Amen? And everybody said, Amen? Yeah, yeah. You know, sometimes God will even send a storm to, as I said, keep us from messing up. And, and I take like Michael here. Man, that was exciting up here, Mike. Man, that was, that was awesome. Thank you for that. But, you know, uh, there's many young men like Michael who get a big head. Easy to get a big head. And, and you know what? Uh, sometimes God knows what we need. You know, Hannah's thinking, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do with... I don't know what I'm going to do with Michael. I don't know what he needs, but God knows what he needs. God knows what he needs. And you know, sometimes God sends things to help us. Sometimes they humble us, amen, or cause us to lean upon him more. And you know, listen, God, God will never receive the preeminence if he all the time has to be competing with Michael and his head, right? And, and so sometimes God, if he's going to use you, if he's going to use me, if need be, the passage said, he's going to give us a trial and help us out with that trial. And so some trials come to help us. And, uh, you know, some storms come to hinder us, don't they? In all three gospel accounts of this event, Jesus, the Bible says, rebuked the wind. Why did he rebuke the wind? The reason for that is because Satan was behind the wind. Satan was behind this storm. And we must realize that Satan brings trouble too. And, and we know that that even happened with Jesus, didn't it? When Jesus was talking to his disciples, he told the disciples what was going to happen to him and how that he was going to be betrayed and, and, and crucified and, and be hung on a cross and die. And, and he's telling his disciples all of this. And, and Peter grabs a hold of Jesus and shakes Jesus and says, Not so, Lord! And what did Jesus do? The Bible says that Jesus looked at Peter and he said, Get thee behind me, Satan. Now, we know that Peter wasn't Satan, but I want you to know that Satan was using Peter. Sometimes if we're not careful, we can allow Satan to use us, can't we? But Satan was using Peter, and you see, Satan was trying to hinder Jesus. Satan did not want Jesus to go to the cross. Satan, did, Satan wanted Peter to keep Jesus from being able to go to the cross. 
And, and, and even Jesus said to Peter, uh, as he said that, he said, For thou savest not the things that be of God. God had already designed that Jesus was going to go to the cross. That was God's plan before the foundation of the world, wasn't it? Amen. And so sometimes Satan, uh, some storms come to hinder us. Uh, Satan stirs things up, and he wants to discourage you and I from serving the Lord. And that's probably one of the number one things that Satan uses is discouragement. And uh, I don't know about you, but all I have to do is get up in the morning and look in the mirror, and I'm discouraged. <laughs> if we're not careful, we can allow the devil to use discouragement to keep us from serving God. And, and uh, listen, my friend, we have too, much, too many wonderful things coming. One of these days, the trumpet's going to sound, and we're going to leave all this mess behind, and we're going we're we're to enter through the pearly gate and walk on the street of gold, and we're going to sit at the feet of Jesus. We have some wonderful things coming, folks. Don't get discouraged. Don't let the devil discourage you. Don't let the devil use you. It's so important that we uh, keep our perspective right as God's children. Satan, he'll do everything to fight you when you're trying to do right. It, storms may come by chance, but I want you to know that Jesus' presence is not by chance. Amen. He said he will never leave you, nor will he ever forsake you. I'm so thankful for that. And, 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 and so we, we see this very important point. Now, there's another point that I think we can see in this passage. And look in verse 38, and that's the word cry. Verse 38, the Bible said in Mark chapter, back in Mark chapter uh, 4, verse 38, he said, And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow, and they awake him, and saying to him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? So if these, uh, I mean, if you really think about it, well, he, he they, they, they ask the question, carest thou not that we perish? How many times, how often when trouble comes in our lives, do we blame God for it? I mean, they came in and, Master, carest thou not that we perish? I mean, I mean, really blaming God for their problems. And sometimes we have things that happen and we just think, and we just, well, thank you, God. We need to be careful about that. But if these experienced fishermen thought that they were going to perish, you know that the storm was probably really bad. I mean, they, these were experienced fishermen, and, uh, and the wind howled, the waves arose, the boat was tempest-tossed, the disciples, well, they were drenched to the skin, they were... Uh, shaken to the bones, at, they were at the mercy of the water, of the storm. Then, the Bible says, they thought of Jesus. Then they thought of him. They, they, they must have been astonished that Jesus could sleep on in such imminent danger, totally unconcerned while their word, while their little world was being totally torn apart. You know, it may appear at times that he is asleep at the will of our lives, but he's not. And that maybe he does not really care, but I want you to know he does. But at least they knew where to turn. I mean, they had seen some miracles before in the past. And... We have yet to understand that storms do not worry Jesus, I'm afraid. They don't worry Jesus. Listen, Jesus never panics. <laughs> right? I mean, uh, 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 Jesus never gets upset. So don't fall apart when the storm comes and when you want to cry. Uh, while he slept as man, he was watchful as God. He certainly was. And too often, he is our last resort, I'm afraid. He's our last resort. And, 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 and if you look at this passage, you'll find that it wasn't until the boat was full. It, it says there in the passage in verse 37, so that it was now full. 
I mean, this storm's going on, and now the boat is full. And, and in Luke's uh, account of this, in Luke chapter 8, he says that they were in jeopardy. Their lives were in jeopardy. The boat is full of water, and now they go to Jesus. How often do we uh, consider the Lord the last resort? We're always trying to work it out ourselves, aren't we? We think we can figure it out on our own. I'm telling you, uh, why do we do that when we, when we have a God who can do anything, amen, and, and wants to help us with our situation? But, but while Jesus, and this is important to see, while Jesus did not hear the howling storm, he did hear the cry of his disciples. He did hear their cry. And uh, he did not hear the crashing, he heard the crying. And like a mother, her crying baby, like a shepherd, the bleeding of the sheep, like he heard blind Bartimaeus calling out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy upon me. And Jesus stopped in his tracks and healed that blind man, amen? Or like the, the woman who who had an issue of blood, and she was desperate, and she had spent all that she had. And, and, and the Bible says that when Jesus was coming by, and, and there was a crowd, and they were pressing against him, and she just reached out. If she could just touch the hem of her garment, she just knew that she would be healed. And Jesus stopped. Everybody's bumping into him, pushing him, you know. And he stops. Somebody touched me. The disciples are saying, duh, you know. Somebody touched me. And, and of course, Jesus, the Bible says, healed that woman. He cared about her. Nobody else could hear her cry, but he did. That cry that was inside here. I'm so thankful for that. And Jesus really does care when we cry. And, and you know, Jesus shouldn't be your last resort. He should be your only resort. Amen? We should go to the Lord. Uh, but I want you to know, He does hear your cry. He does care. But there's something else we can see here in verse 39. And that's calm, the calm. And He arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Now the greater the storm, the greater the calm. Amen? Calm is calm, except after a great storm, and then it's a great calm. But the good thing here is that their storm did not last forever, and neither will yours. Yours isn't going to last forever. Even Peter uh, told us that for a season, if need be, right? You're in heaviness through manifold temptations. A season. I'm so thankful that our trials have timers on them. Amen. And, and your storm is not going to last forever. And, and notice his sleeping and stealing comes in the same text. His sleeping in the boat and his stealing the water, it all comes in the same text, doesn't it? In other words, this, this is one of those times where we have the humanity of Christ and the deity of Christ put right together in the same text. And, 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 I'm, and it's so important for us to see that as human as he was, and the Bible says that he was 100% man as well as 100% God. Amen? And, and, and I'm just so thankful that even though there was a human side to our Lord, like he was sleeping in the boat, amen? But there was also the deity side that stilled the waters. I just want you to know he's still there. And, uh, and there's another example of this, uh, uh, of, of deity and humanity in the same text. If you remember when uh, they, uh, uh, they needed to pay some taxes, and, and that's pretty human, isn't it? <laughs> that, that all of us, we can identify with paying taxes. And, uh, and, but Jesus said to one of his disciples, well, go down to the dock and, and cast in, and the fish that comes up, you open his mouth and there'll be a coin in there and you can pay the taxes with that, amen? 
And, and so we see the human side and we see the deity side. And then again, we see at the raising of Lazarus. Remember when Jesus came and, and, and remember when Martha came out and met Jesus. She said, oh, Jesus, if you would have been here, if you would have gotten here sooner, he would not have died. And then a little later, Mary comes out. The same thing, Jesus, if you would have been here, he would not have died. And the Bible tells us that with all of that and the people gathered, that even Jesus wept. Even Jesus wept. And, and that's the human side, isn't it? The human side is we can get overcome emotionally. He wept. But the deity side is that he raised Lazarus from the dead, amen? That's awesome. And, and here, we, we must never forget who we serve. We serve a, a mighty God who's able to do anything, that with him all things are possible, amen? And, and so I'm very thankful uh, for this truth that we can see in the Bible when we fully understand and believe who Jesus is, there can be a great calm in our hearts, even in the midst of the storms, even in the, uh, when the debris is flying, and it flies sometimes, doesn't it? Uh, even when the winds are uh, uh, boisterous, when the waves are beating, uh, when the waves are crashing against the boat, I don't know if you notice in that passage, but it talked about the waves beating into the boat. You know, sometimes it's all right for the, uh, you know, for the winds and the storms, the waves to beat against the boat, but we are the ones that allow them to beat into the boat. Amen? By our lack of faith. But here we see this wonderful calm we can know that there is no storm that he cannot calm. Amen. And then there's another thing we can see in verse number 40, and that's the word cancel. Verse number 40, the Bible says, And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? Here in this passage, we see that faith and fear they cancel each other out, don't they? You see, if we, have faith, uh, if we have fear, we have no faith. And if we have faith, we have no fear. Faith and fear have objects. And if we focus on the storm, Christ is canceled out. But if we focus on Jesus, the storm is canceled out. Cancel. We exercise faith all the time, don't we? Uh, we're used to exercising faith. I mean, when, we, uh, when, when you go fly, has anybody flew lately on an airplane? Yes, a few have. When you get on that airplane, and, and, and I, I never have, the times that I have flown, I never have tried to get acquainted with a pilot before uh, I left on the plane at, at to, uh, to uh, look up his background, uh, to... <laughs> you know, see if he passed all his classes and, you know, aviation school, you know, what kind of a person he was. Uh, I never tried to interview him before I, you know, went somewhere on the plane. I just get on the plane. And I just, by faith, I believe that this guy knows what he's doing and he's going to get me to my destination, right? Uh, that's what we normally do. And, and uh, I just, well, we do it every day when, when, uh, when, you, when you get paid, your paycheck, you, you go and you take it to the bank, don't you? You know what? Do you realize that you're giving somebody else your money? And we just, by faith, we just put our check in the bank. Or, or in fact, we don't even see our checks in many cases. It just automatically goes to the bank. We're just trusting that other people are doing the right thing with our money. Right? We don't bother to check into it. We just... Uh, we just do it, and not only at the bank, but, you know, that, like the chair that you're sitting in tonight. 
When you came in, you didn't take that chair and pick it up and turn it over and shake all the legs and make sure everything was okay with it, right? I mean, I mean, you didn't make your wife sit down in that chair before you, you know, just to check it out and make sure. I mean, you didn't do that. You just came in and you just sat down in the chair. You believed that it was going to take care of your needs, that it was going to hold you up. We know what faith is all about. We do it all the time when I walk up to the light switch. I don't have to understand everything there is to know about electricity. I'm just going to flip the light switch on and expect it to come on. When I start my car up, I don't have to understand everything about the combustion engine. I just want that thing to start so I can go somewhere. We do things by faith all the time. And you know what? The Lord asked them, why they had no faith in him. Why don't you have any faith in me? I, th I think of the songwriter who said, no water can swallow the ship where lies the master of ocean and earth and sky. Wow, what a song. I'm so thankful that, that we can trust him. And our Faith can cancel out that fear if we just learn to trust him. And I think there's one more point here we can look at in verse 41, and that's the creator. Verse 41, the Bible says, And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? That's interesting. Think about this. They now transferred their fear from the storm to the Savior. Isn't that interesting? That's where their fear should have been all the time. We're supposed to fear God, not the storm. Amen? We fear God. We trust Him. We rely upon Him. But now their, uh, their fear is pointed towards the Savior, and suddenly they realized that he was more than a friend to them. And he was more than just a teacher. He was more than just a mentor to them. Even though they had seen many miracles before, none compared to this. They'd seen many miracles, but, but, but with everything that they had seen, I, 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 apparently this particular one really made an impression upon their minds, and maybe it was because their own lives were in jeopardy. But they saw him like they had never seen him before. He is the Creator. The Creator. A, a sense of his deity swept across their souls. I mean, he, he, this is the same one who caused an elephant to walk on a big boat. I mean, you know, Noah wasn't pushing this elephant up the ramp. You know what I'm saying? Noah didn't do that. God made that big animal walk up on that boat. I mean, this was the same God who fed a man by a raven. The same God who caused the sun to stand still, the dead to be raised. And now this, he calmed the sea? Wow. What manner of man is this? What manner of man is this? He's far above us. He's, he's so far above us. His thoughts are greater than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. What manner of man is this? They saw him much differently. It was, it was their fear now, now, this is very important. It was their fear, not their storm, that woke Jesus. It was their fear. It, it wasn't the, uh, the, the, the thunder. It wasn't the boisterous wind. It was not the waves that were beating against the boat and into the boat. It wasn't the, uh, it, it wasn't the rocking of the boat that woke Jesus what really woke Jesus was their lack of faith, their fear. Their fear. 
You know, uh, it was really the same thing with Mary and Martha, wasn't it? If you remember the story there in Luke, or, uh, John chapter 11, when Lazarus was raised, Mary, as I told you, and Martha and Mary both came out. If you would have been here, you know, he would not have died. You know, he would still be here. Uh, and, and the Bible tells us that Jesus wept. Now listen, do you think Jesus would weep over Lazarus dying? Especially, especially knowing what he knew, what he was getting ready to do. Do you think that Jesus was, oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, I just can't believe it. Lazarus died. <laughs> Jesus delayed even coming so that Lazarus would die. This was all on purpose. Was Jesus weeping for Lazarus? No. He was weeping. What got his attention was the lack of faith in Mary and Martha and the family. That's what really got Jesus' attention, is how faithless they were. How well they had known him already. I mean, they were close friends, knew each other very well, and yet they did not have faith in him. Oh, yes, Jesus, we know that you could have healed him from his sickness. You mean I can't, I can't bring him back from the dead if I want to? I mean, they had seen other miracles, hadn't they? They had seen so much that Jesus had done, and yet they did not have faith that Jesus could take care of this situation. And that's why he, he wanted them to understand that he was the resurrection and the life. And all that was about to take place would be for the glory of God. And, that, and, and he used in that passage, uh, he asked them, do you believe? Do you believe? You see, all this was about faith. And so what really got Jesus' Jesus's attention when he was sleeping on the boat you know, he could sleep on the boat because he was God. There wasn't any storm that was going to bother him. Amen? And, and so what woke him was their fear. And what got his attention and his weeping was their lack of faith or their fear. How important. I guess my question tonight is this. Can you sleep when the wind blows? Can you sleep when the wind blows? Let's all stand.